Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 124 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I'm your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Miracle. We got woos this morning. I am beyond the moon because I am COVID free, Michelle. I am good to go. (laughs) So to let people know who um, didn't see on Twitter... We didn't record last week because Jacob had a possible COVID exposure, yep. and he yep. is he's safety first man. Um, so he got a test, but here you are. Yeah, here I am. Although I've... I hate him this morning because you just keep coughing, and you're not allowed to cough in 2020. Yeah, but I cough like during all the time for our show, so I feel like you're just used to it by now. I guess so. I mean, the masks help, but still, you don't want to think of people coughing even with a mask on. By, by the way, if you have not done the COVID test, uh, you should. And it's not fun at all. Like everybody, everything they, people know, tell you about the nose. I know, we don't want to discourage people, but I've been dreading it. It's literally, I have been the safest about COVID. I'm like, yeah, of course I don't want to get sick, but I mostly don't want the test. It, isn't that weird? It's like, I could, I've had a stuffy nose before and dying, that sounds kind of fun. <laughs> but like having something shoved up my nose, like that I don't know awful. about that. Yeah. Into, into the brain area. Um, and as we record today, we have to mention... Because uh, we record on Friday, so today is the 19th anniversary of 9/11. Yeah, I don't really have bummer, bummer of a re- um, holiday, of course, but yeah, I don't know if it's holiday. Mm. I mean, what else do we call it? It's an annual event that we commemorate, mm. so we kind of have to deal with it every year. But I guess so. But yeah, that that's always terrible. Um, Diana Rigg passing away yeah i Aww. actually had to think about it for a second i'm like oh that's the uh lady tyrell yeah. i'm like oh man she was one of the better characters oh my god she was one of the best characters she was really awesome and i feel bad because she had such a major career in england and movies and stuff and like even me like yeah you looked her up on wikipedia i already forgot everything that i found out about her she like, was james bond's wife that was all that i really retained james bond's wife oh. like yes in the movies she was the oh, one okay. that he married for anybody who doesn't remember james bond did have a wife who was killed by specter so it's, in case you're wondering if that's a plot hole it is not it is <laughs> an actual james bond okay thing. cool um other terrible things because that's how we start things in 2020 um Oh, these these wildfires. Oh, the one that's turned uh, California into the surface of Mars? I mean, yeah. California, Washington. I mean, Oregon is even worse, I think. They have more more than 10% of the residents um, have had to evacuate their homes. Yeah, it's That's pretty a ton rough. of people. And all this started because of a stupid gender reveal party. Yeah, I can't even really get into those because <sighs> I, have, I have no basic understanding. Like, my brain can't wrap around... I was like, that sounds like the dumbest thing that I would never want to do. And I'm glad that none of my friends who have babies ever did anything close to that. Yeah, I mean, obviously there's the whole, you can't really do a gender reveal party for a kid about the gender thing, but that's that's a little liberal for this discussion at the moment. I, another part is, why were pyrotechnics involved in they this They have thing? been in the past two years ago that started a huge... Um, wildfire in California because they use pyrotechnics to do that. Yeah, like what are there fireworks going off? Was there like a little it's flame just, burst? Is it's it like just a, really weird? Is somebody coming out old school WWE style with it, a with it, a carriage or something? Come on. And with climate change and everything has been so dry. I mean Death Valley it got to like hundred and twenty five degrees or something. This one's really bad. I'm very worried. It just doesn't they're like, oh we can't stop it. They have like Santa Ana winds in California in Southern California right now, which they never usually have. So it's just like all of the worst things like a trifecta are happening good times good times also it's burning in colorado 
um, again, terrible, but I'm also supposed to go there in October. So I've been like, yeah, well, can I go? Like, I don't know. I mean, it's a big state, so I have to figure out exactly what's burning because I was going to go to some of the national parks. But, you know, I don't want them to be on fire. Yeah, I mean, the Rocky Mountains are on fire right now. People, this is getting ridiculous. I didn't yeah. even know stone could burn, but apparently it can. So something. <laughs> <laughs> this is just 2020, guys. Jacob's getting learned here. I, I can't wait for the Mississippi River to just turn into blood. I'm sure that's <laughs> that's going to be our November surprise. We've read so many posts apocalyptic books this is what happens but speaking of that um we're home we don't know what to do people can't leave their houses are on fire mm-hmm. let's talk about books seems that like they can idea. be reading at home um it new books like specifically super new book oh side note i am reading that postman book oh the, the kevin costner yeah i mean i'm enjoying it yeah the book's so much better than the movie yeah so so far um it's a cla- nice timely book it's a classic case of just do the book don't put your own things in there. yeah like i never saw the movie but i'm like already like oh how'd he mess this up so bad because so far the story seems is pretty it's pretty basic it's it's a good yeah well it's kevin costner so you know he's he's gonna find an epic way to screw it <laughs> yeah um but yeah we want to talk about new books that either just came out or are coming out soon um remember the during this whole quarantine, even when the library was closed, we were still working from home and ordering. Mm-hmm. So all this stuff is on order. Um, most of it should be here by its release date. Some of the stuff, there was just a backlog because when we came back into the building, we were like, hello, 45,000 boxes yeah. full of how, materials. How are you doing? Michelle's hands look like the <laughs> mummy right now because there are just paper cuts from opening boxes left uh, and right. There is actually a lot of that going on. But this is some stuff that we think sounds awesome. Mostly, I mean, I can't lie. These are the things that I throw on my list that I want to read. And sure. I'm like, hey, if I want to read it, I'm sure other people that's, do too. That's what I do every week. So I don't feel bad about I'm that. I'm sure I have a ton more than you. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Whenever it comes to the reading episodes, those are what we call Michelle-led episodes. I do. I read I read a lot. Sometimes I'm like, how do I end up reading all these books in a year? I think about that every time you tell me when you're like how many you've read. I, I don't, don't get even it. I don't really understand how it happens. No, I don't either. I'm like, hmm. Who has the time? Okay, this one I felt was most appropriate for what's going on in the country. This book is called The New Wilderness by Diane Cook. And, you know, people are kind of saying, could this be the great climate change novel of our time? So, yeah, that's that's important. But there's been a lot of buzz that's been building around it. It's a debut novel, um, which was crazy because before it was even published, it was long listed for the Booker Prize. Oh. Which is crazy. So they must have like gotten an early manuscript of it and been like, oh, this is so good. But this is so it's about bees and her five-year-old daughter, Agnes. And and Agnes is just slowly dying in front of her because the smog and the pollution of the city is destroying her lungs. Um, and this is not like now times. I feel like it's in the future. So right. things are even worse. So um, they realize that if they stay in the city, Agnes will die. So across the country is the wilderness state, which is a huge swath of protected land. Okay. And it's really remote, but it's super unwelcoming because it's a refuge for wildlife that have nowhere else to go. So it's not really for people, but it is a place of open spaces and clean air. We got animals, trees, forests. Um, No one has ever been allowed in the wilderness state until now. So B and Agnes are going to be among the first people who are moving there. There's a handful of others that are invited to live there as kind of nomadic hunter gatherers that kind of starting over in this land. So there's like a group of 20 people and they're part of a study to see if humans can coexist with nature and not just dominate it as they have always done 
um, in the past. So they slowly learn to live and survive on this dangerous land and build a new kind of community. But, you know, there's going to be issues because um, B kind of feels that she's losing Agnes in a different sort of way because Agnes is... I mean, she's wild. Now she's grown up in this wilderness and she kind of belongs to the landscape. And B is from a city. So, you know, she's always going to be kind of drawn mm. to that life. So it's like uh, about the climate, about wilderness. It's about the bond between mother and daughter and how that is tested as they grow um, different. So, yeah, it sounds it sounds pretty awesome. And it's, you know, are the people going to stay as renegades? Are people going to move back to cities? Like, what's the ultimate decision? And I'm super looking forward to it. I already got my hold in, so you should too. Uh, it sounds like a pretty good book, actually. It does, right? There's a couple on here that I was like, oh, I feel like Jacob could be into these as well, because that one sounds awesome. Yeah, it's like a reverse Native American tale, almost, it kind of sounds like to me, because it goes from... You know, it's kind of like, remember The Sun? We wrote that book a couple of years ago. The Sun? Yeah, the one about the three families in Texas. Oh, oh, yes. So it's kind of like the reverse of like the dad in that, or the grandpa in that one, where he, you know, starts out oh, right. and then goes and becomes a wild nature love and then comes back to society. So it, it, it should be some good stuff in there. I'm yeah. actually kind of curious about that. I think so. Um, I'm going to do another one, too. This is from an author that I really liked. Her name is Yagasai. And the new book is called Transcendent Kingdom. Oh, I was thought you were going to say Transcendence for a second. I'm like, wait a minute. Oh, no. We're not doing bad Johnny Depp movies. <laughs> Transcendent Kingdom, which I think is a really good title. But she was the author of Homegoing. I don't know if you read that book. It was it was really great. Um, and I think this is this sounds like a good follow-up. Like, it's really sweeping in its themes, which is how Homegoing was. And it's um, the story is about addiction and neuroscience depression and religion so okay so, well it's a nice light read then. super this is a beach read right here so what this is about is uh, gifty is a sixth year phd candidate in neuroscience at stanford university of medicine and is studying reward seeking behavior in mice and the neural circuits of depression and addiction. And her brother, uh, Nana, was a gifted high school athlete who died of a heroin overdose after an ankle injury left him hooked on Oxycontin. So that's kind of like the beginning of her journey. Her mother is suicidal. She lives in her bed. And so Gifty is just determined to discover the scientific basis for the suffering that she sees all around her. Um, but then, you know, as she turns to hard sciences to unlock the mystery of her family's loss, she finds herself kind of lacking and hungering for her childhood faith and grappling with the evangelical church in which she was raised, which kind of promised salvation and it was very elusive. And so I think it's just like a crazy deep journey that she's going on, but it sounds really moving Um it's I've heard that it's exquisitely written. It's going to be really emotional. Um, and I think a really powerful follow up to her phenomenal debut. Again, I really loved Homegoing, so I highly recommend that. But yeah, keep your eyes out for Transcendent Kingdom. It's some heavy books there. Man. I like, know geez. I do this to myself. I, I, I weigh myself down a lot. <laughs> I guess I guess it's getting close to winter. So it's about time to start getting like the heavier. I've got some more on the we list. Were, <laughs> we have to all get set because we're not going to be able to leave the house for another six months. No, 
don't say that. Just let me go to Colorado and come back. <laughs> yeah, well, you can please, go to, you can please. Go to Colorado. It'll be I fun. need nature. <laughs> All right, so I guess I'm going to recommend a few quick ones because why not? It's kind of what we do on the show. Wow. I guess one cannot not mention the big book in the room at the moment that's coming out uh, this Tuesday. Uh, Rage by Bob Woodward. It's kind of <laughs> the big thing in the media at the moment. I, we don't get into politics at all in the show because obviously who wants that? There's enough places to get that. Yeah. But I just have to say, like, just why you keep talking to people? Yeah. Just, just I mean, stop talking to people. I, Especially Bob. Bob already wrote a book. Oh, uh, yeah. And already, it was not flattering. No, not at all. And. Like, I have done nothing illegal in my life. You know, wink on that one. But I say that's a double wink, <laughs> just a solid blink. But I'm not going. I would never talk to Bob Woodward for five minutes, let I mean, alone 18 hours. He is literally famous for taking a president down. So that's right. really baffling. There's also like 30,000 political books coming out mm-hmm. this year again. Like, there's just so much stuff raining down. I feel really bad for our nonfiction budget. It's because it's gone. hard to buy. Other things like we're trying to fill in a collection, but they keep writing these political books and everybody wants them. Yep. It just becomes really difficult to meet everyone's needs. So, so like, if you're wondering why we don't have your latest NFL history book or why we don't have <laughs> things <laughs> on like uh, movie stars, it's because we got to keep buying these political books, everybody. But <laughs> I mean, that's the big one right now. So I guess well, we're going to get that one next week. Get on the list because it's rather extensive. But, you know. Go check it out, everybody. It seems like it's a book that everybody should read in these days. And Oh, I'm going to take a hard pass on that. I'm <laughs> uh, good. I read Fear. I'm good now. Well, it's a good companion piece. <laughs> okay, so uh, other than that, I'm going to go with one that I'm actually super excited about uh, and that I'm on the list for, and hopefully I'm being somewhere near the top. The Evening and the Morning by Ken Follett, which also comes out this Tuesday on the 15th. Do you know? I just love Ken Follett so much. I do, and you know what I love about this one? It's a prequel to Pillars of the Earth, Michelle. So we get another He is never one. leaving that world. Nope. He is all invested in it. Although I don't know what else he can do at this point because he's done all the way up to like Elizabethan England. Yeah. So he's going back. So now he's got to go backwards. He's, he's going back. We're going to the Dark Ages with this one, everybody. So if you've read the other Ken Follett books, which I highly recommend you do, they're basically 15,000 pages <laughs> about of uh, p- character development and like seven different stories all going on at once that all combine and take place over decades. They're good reads. They're excellent historical fiction. But this one looks like it's going to deal with uh, when the Vikings came to England. In case you don't know, it's a very important part of uh, English history. Sure. Very violent, turbulent one. So this I watched, one. I watched a season of Vikings. Did you? I know what's up. You should watch The Last Kingdom. It's a better show. Oh, wow. But that is neither here nor there. <laughs> so this one is going to deal with uh, a young boat builder's life who is turned uh, upside down uh, when the Vikings show up and start killing and murdering and taking everybody as slaves. Boo. <laughs> we got a Norman noblewoman who marries her love but then moves to his home place where she finds out, oh, they totally don't treat women nicely and there's totally different rules than what I'm I used mean, to I mean, is here. she new to the world at that point? Yeah. Well, I mean. It's, it's England in the fifteenth, in the fourteenth century. Yeah, so what kinda, are we, yeah. What are we talking about? And then, to stop me if you heard this, a monk has a dream of turning his abbey and church into a center of learning in England. Wah, wah. Who would have seen that coming, guys? I love these Ken Follett books. They're all been pretty good to me. Not everybody enjoys them, but if you like historical fiction and you want to get yourself a book that you can read for about two and a half years and still almost <laughs> get done with, go check out the evening and the morning, everybody. Uh. 
Pick it up with Rage. You can jump between the two. That's going to be a fun uh, combo read. Well, because you brought that up, I'm going to bring up my one political book. This is one that actually interests me that I'm going to read because usually lately I'm just like, nope, don't want them. Um, It's called Twilight of Democracy, The Seductive Lure of Authoritarianism by Anne Applebaum. And Applebaum. And she's a Pulitzer Prize winning historian. And in this, she's explaining, and it's with a lot of clarity, this one came out in July, um, why elites in democracies around the world are turning towards um, nationalism and authoritarianism. Um, so, like I said, she's an award winning historian. She covered like Soviet atrocities. Um, that's like her that what she's best known for and she was one of the first American journalists to raise an alarm about anti-democratic trends in the West and in this book she's explaining the lure of nationalism and autocracy and she has kind of uh, different essays in the book and she contends that political system with radically simple beliefs are inherently appealing especially when they benefit the loyal to the exclusion of everyone else so she's explaining like why these trends are kind of coming up and why people seem drawn to it and she shows like conspiracy theory and political polarization social media and even nostalgia that's being used to really change societies so this is an important book to kind of have a better understanding um, instead of just being like this is happening it's like well no this is i can actually explain why i'm saying this and uh you know why this is a real thing you should yeah Um, pick pick that one up and then grab uh fahrenheit 451 and 1984 while you're at it because they kind (laughs) of all go together i would not read those all at the same time not if you want to ever get out of your house again (laughs) you see these dark circles under my eyes now you know what i've been (laughs) looking with um here's another book i'm super jazzed for um, it's called Migrations by Charlotte McConney. Um, so this takes place in a near future world, I cannot help myself, where all but a few species of animals have died out. Aww. But it's not a dystopian thriller. So instead, it's kind of described as like a character study of this Franny Stone. And she is an aspiring scientist with a tragic personal life. And she manages to convince a ship crew to help her follow the very last migration of Arctic terns. So how specific. Yeah. This captain, Enos Malone, his book is the or his boat is the I don't even know. Saghani. I mean, what do I know about boats here? Um, And she convinces him to take her on board and she kind of wins over the crew because she promises like, oh, these birds are going to lead you to fish. So take me on this journey with her. So as this boat fights its way south, um, Franny's dark history is going to start to unspool. Um, she has night terrors. She has this weird collection of unsent letters and this obsession with pursuing at any at any cost these turns, these birds, and that she's just really full of secrets which um, threaten the safety of the entire crew. And yeah, so it's like, maybe light dystopian but really a thriller it's going to have um the kind of environmental aspect to it i i saw all of these um early reviews and i just took bits out of them so new york times says it's transporting um washington post hopeful l said it's tantalizingly beautiful we've got suspenseful thrilling 
aching, poignant, powerful. So mm. this sounds like a really good book. I feel like I need to go rewatch The Big Year so I could find out what a turn is because I got to admit, I do not know what kind of bird Oh, I don't is. know what that is. I'm assuming it's going to look like a big old seabird. I'm going to go with penguin with long wings. That's what I'm going <laughs> to think that it's looked like. In my own head, that's what I'm going with. That's solid because everybody wants to think of a penguin flying so badly. I mean, it's you, there's it's nothing the you want to see more. It's the dream. No, you know what the real dream is? I want to see puffins. And I went Ooh. to Maine specifically to go on a whale puffin tour. And I was, I can't explain how excited I was. I bought like a little puffin figurine. I was hanging out with it. I was like, puffins. And then we showed up to the dock that day. And they're like, too foggy, no tour. And I was like, Aww, dude. but I have to leave tonight to go back to my home. Yeah. Like, I never saw the puffins. <sighs> I'm not over it. Did you, you cried on the way home watching HR puffin stuff? I think I did cry a little bit. I bought a puffin Christmas ornament. And every year at Christmas, I hang it in the tree and I'm like, oh, hey, puffin, I never saw in real life. <laughs> Still bitter. And it's like, when am I driving to Maine again? There's not, literally you know, no reason to ever drive to for Maine. For real, like I did Maine. Unless, unless you want to go star in a Stephen King story or something. That's about That's the That's true. I'm going to for Castle Rock season three. So, okay, check Don't, those out. You know what? We'll talk after the show. I think that could be a fun. We could pitch an idea. See? <laughs> Steve. <laughs> Come and check it out. All right. So let's do a couple more quick ones here. Um, I'm going to go with a book that I know you're going to pick up as soon as it comes out. Mm. Coming out on November 17th. Young Bucks Killing the Business from the Backyards to the Big Leagues by Matt and Nick Jackson. I literally don't know anything of what that could be about. It's a wrestling book, of oh, course. come on. Jim. So <laughs> Young Bucks, Matt and Nick Jackson. The world is on fire. Do we need this? <laughs> they are two of the four creators of AEW, which is the number two wrestling organization in the country. They are also two of the biggest stars in the world. The only, one of the only tag teams in professional wrestling that people actually care about the world over. So you get to find out what they were like being little Hardy Boy comp- uh, rip-off artists. And then when they went to Japan and became some of the biggest stars That's in the world. Cool. And then when they talked a billionaire into giving them basically a billion dollars to run a wrestling company. If you ever wanted to see how two guys from North Carolina that basically <laughs> have no reason to have gotten as far as they did, but basically just hung around... And wrestled their way to the top. Go check this one out. How do you wrestle your way to the top? They decide who wins and loses. They do decide who wins and loses, but they decide who wins and loses by who gets people to come in and pay money to see them. And these guys are two of the best. Now, I'll full disclosure. I honest, sometimes I really, I really love your love of wrestling because it <laughs> is baffling to it, me in it, every way. It can be a little weird when you're looking at it from the outside. These two are weird in that I don't really like them as wrestlers or a team, but I understand. I accept like their importance. They are considered the number one tag team in the world, which you know that's something. It's always good to be considered number one. So if you're looking for another good wrestling book, and I know we have about three people on the show that um, always check those out, go check this one out on November fifteenth or seventeenth, and listen to it. Check it out. All right. I guess I'll go with another sure. one that might you might actually like that's out now. Okay. It's called Betty by Tiffany McDaniel. Oh, I I, I unpacked that book from a box. Oh, did you? <laughs> it's it's big. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's it's a big one, really. Yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah, I know nice. you love the big books. So, this is the story of Betty Carpenter. She was born to a Cherokee father and a white mother in 1954. With she's a six of eight siblings. Not great in the 50s. No. So basically, common, very common. She is born to a world of poverty and violence, both from the family and outside. So this is a kind of story of 
how she has learning to cope with all of those problems. Well, along with like her family, of course, like most families do, have some dark hidden secrets that she starts to learn about as she gets older. Delicious. That kind of, you know, affect her life going forward. Heart-wrenching cruelty, incredible character she encounters in this rural town of Breathe, Ohio. Maybe I need an Ohio accent. I don't know my to Ohio towns. Um, but despite all those problems, she's of course a resilient girl. She wants to learn about the natural world. She has a fierce love for her sisters and her family. And it's just about how she's just trying to move past her the um her family's history and kind of like make a better future for herself with all kinds of like obstacles and violence put I mean, in it way. sounds really interesting. It does actually. Like I know it's gonna be a rough read. Nothing about that description makes it seem like it's gonna be a fun summer read, but luckily we're in the fall, so who cares? <laughs> so it seems like it's gonna be a good one to check out. So I remember when we did long books. Like it was like it's cold out, so read these really long books. I like that. We should do that again. It's basically what we are doing. More <laughs> super long books. It's uh, spoiler alert for one of our uh, October episodes. Yeah, maybe. Um, okay, this one sounds super cool. Again, I thought this might appeal to you. It is called The Midnight Library by oh, Matt Haig. Okay. And this is a supernatural novel that centers around a library where mm-hmm. each book represents a different life you could have lived. Oh. And so the protagonist, Nora, finds herself faced with all of these different possibilities. I read that it was one part arrival and then one part Matthew McConaughey's Weird Bookshelf and Interstellar. <laughs> so we're getting deep there. You want to know what? I have not heard a premise that is so ready for TV as oh, I'm, this one. I'm, oh, my God. I'm surprised it's not picked up already. So somewhere out beyond the edge of the universe, there's this library. And it contains an Im- infinite number of books. And each one, um, the story of another reality. So one is going to tell the story of your life as it is, along with another book for the other life you could have lived if you had made a different choice at any point in your life. This sounds like a terrible idea you should never look at any of these books never do that unless they're bad you're like yeah show me all the bad lives i could have lived please don't show me any of the good ones so we all wonder like how our lives might have been and what if you'd had the chance to go to the library and see for yourself would you look would any of these lives truly be better so this Nora character she finds herself faced with the decision and faced with the possibility of changing her life for a new one she could follow a new career undo old breakups realize her dream um, of becoming a glaciologist what What a dream (laughs) so she just has to search within herself as she travels through the midnight library to decide you know what is truly fulfilling in her life and what makes it worth living in the first place i think this could be super awesome but you're 100 percent right it sounds like a movie or a tv show i mean I, if i was netflix or hbo i would pick that up immediately so long as it's good but like like i said it sounds so good that this will be one that if i read and it's disappointing it'll break my heart yeah it, there's it's so such a good premise i don't really see how you could screw yeah it. i thought you'd like that call me crazy i'd be looking for the book it's like hey what are those lottery numbers for the mega million where i win like 500 million dollars <laughs> yeah. where's that book that? <laughs> yeah. um then um there's this book sisters by daisy johnson so daisy johnson is actually the youngest ever booker prize finalist for a book that she wrote called everything under Um, And this book tracks two teen sisters less than a year apart in age and then a Uh shocking discovery. Yes, exactly. Um, And the observer, the way that they reviewed this that I was like, oh, this sounds awesome, is that this book 
is um or that daisy johnson herself the author is the demon offspring of shirley jackson and stephen king how specific (laughs) well i mean that's super awesome so again these sisters they're born just 10 months apart their names are july and september yeah and they're thick as thieves they don't need anyone but each other and they're they're following a after a case of school bullying the teens have moved away with their single mother to this long abandoned family home near the shore I'm like that's that where Stephen well, King's well. coming in and in their new isolated life is, Jul- it, is it in Maine by the way I mean maybe July finds that the deep bond that she has always shared with September is shifting in ways she can't entirely understand and then this creeping sense of dread and unease descends inside the house. And then outside, the sisters are pushing the boundaries of behavior until a series of shocking encounters test the limits of their shared experience. And it forces some shocking revelations about their past and their future. So that sounds good. Look at that. Some that is an October book if I ever yeah, heard it. some spooky stuff. There's some right. ha- haunting a hill house going on with yeah, that. Yeah, so. and I'm, I'm into it. Do you want to do one more before? Yeah, go ahead. Nail something. I, you got better options than oh I me do. yeah um okay well this one i thought sounded pretty good it's called the new american and i want to apologize for i'm going to butcher this author's name micheline aronia marcombe friend of the show i, I hope so micheline so um this is a wrenching border crossing tale and this arrives as sort of a corrective um, to the that super controversial American Dirt book. Did oh, you know about that? I did. I tried to read it, never got into it. Yeah, and there was a whole thing of like, why is this white woman writing this? It seems mm-hmm. really exploitative. So the New American offers its own epic sweep, and it's about Emilio. He's an undocumented <laughs> Guatemalan American college student, and he gets deported from his Bay Area neighborhood, and he tries to make the dangerous trek home without alerting his mother. Uh-oh. So it's this epic journey. It takes him across thousands of miles and eventually the Sonoran Desert is yeah, that what it's called? It. Um, of the United States-Mexico border, meeting thieves, corrupt law enforcement, you know, also strangers and kind people. And this is inspired in part by interviews with Central American refugees. It's told in lyrical prose. Oh, um, okay. And I've heard it's just really heart pounding and heartbreaking, but also a tale of adventure. All right. I'll check that out, man. Right. Like, sounds good. A Sicario vibe to that. I like, I'm big. Yeah. That I kind of like that too. So yeah, we have some others, but you know what? You're just going to have to wait or yeah. reach out on Twitter to ask us. And we have other things that we can recommend, but yeah. otherwise, uh, Jacob, do you know Doo-doo. the best place to find all these books? There it is. The obvious thing is right here at your local library. We have Ooh. 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Go ahead and visit our website at www.buffalolib.org to find out the hours. And, you know, there's a mass requirement, everybody, so don't forget to bring that mass when you come on down. Also, as Michelle mentioned, don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod. And let us know what you think. Give us some suggestions on books you're reading. And tell Michelle that wrestling really is awesome. Don't do that. She (laughs) will not believe you. Um, Okay, some facts. I just, I love looking things up and finding the most ridiculous things. So, I don't know if you know this, but Colombian drug lord Pablo Escobar, he kept four hippos in his estate. I actually did know that. Before his death. It was on Narcos. Okay, so they were deemed too much hassle to move by the authorities. (laughs) 
So his hippos were just left there. And since then, they have bred and escaped, and they are now an invasive species in Colombia. <laughs> I love that there are murderous hippos in <laughs> Colombia yes. running around. Like, they're like, I'm sorry, what? Um, okay. so, oh, man, that, that is fabulous. Right? An invasive Another reason never species. to go to Colombia, everybody. Oh, I want to go to Colombia. It's like my top place that I want to travel to. Oh, we got to. a TV show you might want to watch. It change your mind on that. Cartagena, here I come. Okay, Jacob, this one's for you. Okay. Um, this is why you were able to survive your COVID test. All right. You typically only breathe out of one nostril at a time. Yep. I can guarantee that's true. I've had a stuffy nose for 37 years. Now. I mean, I kind of thought you used both, but then, you know, if one was out, you had a backup. So instead of both taking in the same amount of air when you breathe, you actually inhale most of your oxygen through one nostril at a time. Every few hours, the active nostrils, like, hi, tai tai, it takes a break. And then the other one will take over, and they ultimately keep switching back and forth. So you could say that your nostrils are forming a tag team. Is that what you are saying, Michelle? I don't get I feel like there's a pun in there, but I don't get it. No, that is pretty awesome. I didn't know that your nose was, like, taking breaks. It's like, dude, righty's tired. Come on, lefty, breathe in that oxygen. It's like, it's too early, man. I'm still <laughs> sleeping it off. Um, I thought this was interesting because I know of your deep fear of Colombian hippos. We are actually born with legit two innate fears. Is that hippos? <laughs> Not hippos. Because, you know, people are like, oh, I was always been afraid of snakes and spiders since I was born. Sure. Or I'm afraid of this. But it's totally, that's a completely untrue. So according to um, a CNN uh, study, scientists have found that humans have just two innate fears. The fear of falling. Okay. And the fear of loud sounds. Loud sounds. That's huh? an actual one that you're born with. The rest of your phobias are learned over time. I kind of thought it was just your brain freaking out because you just got shocked. But yeah, I guess that makes sense. Yeah, I don't know. And then this last one, just because we're talking about books and words are important. Have you ever heard of kangaroo words? Uh, no. So those are words that contain their own synonyms. And I love just wordplay oh. like this. So a kangaroo word sounds like something... Um, that's spoken in Australia, actually, but it's not. It's a word with its own synonym. So, what do I mean by that? Well, for example, the word chocolate. Okay. Inside that word is the synonym cocoa. Oh, okay. Or co cocoa, you know. Okay. Masculine has the word male in it. Okay. Blossom has bloom. Chicken has hen in it. Rambunctious has uh, raucous. And deceased has dead in it. Kangaroo words. That's pretty awesome. That is pretty awesome. I so, actually feel like I'm hopping mad that I didn't know that already. That's... Huh? 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 That's just yeah, we're having fun Let's here, end everybody. this show forever. All right, <laughs> you guys. Thanks so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.